Welcome to the fourth episode of Teachers in the Hall. I'm Erin Lark, and I'm currently reading In Defense of Beef while spinning Sturgill Simpson's newest record, and I don't make New Year's resolutions. And I'm John Zingali. I love listening to NPR, digging StoryCorps a whole lot right now, and getting very excited about Mount St. Helens and the 40th anniversary of the eruption. Before we swing into this week's topics, we want to check out uh, with some listener feedback. Uh, this week, um, we just want to say a big shout out to uh, some of our current listeners that have told us that they're listening and enjoying the podcast. Uh, Travis Campbell, um, longtime VPS associate, and uh, some parents actually um, stopping us in the hallway and, and telling us that they're listening to our Teachers in the Hall podcast. So that's a lot of fun. And we love hearing uh, what we're doing and uh, that it's making a difference and people are listening to it. Thank you. On our radar this week is none other than Baby Yoda. What makes him so adorable? Disney thought they'd knocked it out of the park with Porgs, but this is a whole new level of adoration. Is it the eyes? Is it the waddle? Is it the way he slurps up frogs? I'm starting most days scrolling through the most precious and hilarious memes, and this is just the icing on the Yoda craze cake. Um, it's it's. Yoda has this appeal to many, many different types of people. My, my wife definitely fell in love with Porgs, um, but now Baby Yoda is kind of all the rage at our house. And it was kind of fun to see, like, hey, where's Disney going to go with some of the merchandise? And I will say, I didn't care for Disney's original take on that, but um, leave it to people to crowdsource. And Etsy, um, the crocheted Baby Yoda is, like, the cutest thing in the world and you can get it like life-size so um, my wife's getting one of those for Christmas <laughs> as we're airing in January we're safe to love that yes we are um, and you know it's just I think it's so popular because I mean Yoda's appealing like a, he's this character that everyone kind of knows he's this wise person and I know we're calling him baby Yoda because we actually don't know like the name of his species and I just love that people are arguing over why we're calling him baby Yoda even um, it's well, and the, the, the drinking from the bowl meme has replaced Kermit in the tea, and I just am every day so excited yeah, to see when he's, when he's playing with, like, the buttons in, in the yeah. spaceship. It's just, it's, it's everything we need it to be right at this moment, I think. <sighs> so when this episode releases, it will be January 2020. This is a time that sounds surreal for fictional purposes and for teachers has another meaning altogether. While many people consider it a new beginning, for those of us in education, it's more of a middle. We're looking down the slope to summer and considering how to frame the second half of our year. It's all about motivation. and We have uh, roughly about a month left in our uh, current semester. So it's a weird transition as we begin something new but are still finishing things up. Um, and we try to like balance all of that. And uh, it's never an exact representation um, of what we had in the beginning of the year. We always have to adjust and look, go back and look at our diagrams and see what we wanted to accomplish. But a lot of times the school year is like a roller coaster. Um, and this is where we kind of have to look and see where we're at and uh, put our best place forward so we can try to, you know, get through this little hump as we get into the new year. Um, Cause you know, there are lulls in, in, in the whole thing, especially with students, but also with teachers. Exactly. It's not just about an arbitrary holiday beginning or renewal. It's almost a rededication to your purpose in your classes and the overall structure of your year. It's kind of like the middle of any situation. It's a great time to take a step back. 
evaluate how far you have or have not come and make some choices about the best way to move forward with that knowledge in mind. There's always so much cultural pressure in January, which is weird for us because we end the year um, and begin in a different way. It's it's not throwing out the old, and it's not and it's about knowing where you stand. Like I said, the the, the school year starts at a different time, and so this transition definitely can throw not only students for a loop but but teachers as well. And um, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I definitely move into a stage of panic. Uh, no matter how temporary, when I'm staring down the slope to June, I always have this moment when I think of everything that I have not yet done that I thought that I would do when I was idealistic in August and maybe forgot about some variables. And I kind of panic thinking, there's no way all of this is going to happen. But those moments, I think, is are, is when I feel that January is like the start of an avalanche, like I'm going to tip over into the end of the year, and that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and it, it's interesting when you sit back and look at what, what, what you want to accomplish, and every school year is different, too, and that's why I think it's it's so interesting. Like, we can do our best to plan out our year, but every batch of kids is different, and so we never really know exactly where we're going to go. Um, and that's why kind of like self-care, self-care is, uh, is so important. We tell our students to try to take care of themselves, but we, we as teachers need to take care of ourselves as well. Whether it's acupuncture, massage, reading books, whatever it is, we owe it to ourselves to find something we enjoy and move us through that period of evaluation and planning. Uh, you know, I, I love hiking outdoors, and actually I enjoy lots of techie, like, photo editing stuff, which other people might find just obnoxious, but that's what <laughs> it relaxes me. I'm going to send you my photos for editing. Um, here in the Pacific Northwest, it's... I think one of the best times to go outside and look at winter flora and fauna. Conifers are my favorite trees and they really stand out, they pop when the deciduous trees take a step back and have lost their leaves. You get a really great landscape and my favorite Sundays such as yesterday include walking through our local forests or along the waterways with the dogs and bird watching for my other favorite, the corvids, go ravens. Mm -hmm. Yeah and for me I love like especially when we get a clear day out west here. and you get to see all the mountain and volcanic peaks covered in snow, that first snow. Um, the air just feels a little crisper. I love getting outside at these times of day. But, you know, we all need to find our own methods, too, for rejuvenation. A lot of people are like, oh, I need to just sit back next to a fire and, and calm down or read a book or something. And, you know, I, I'm different. It's, I enjoy doing that, but that's not my end-all, be-all. In fact, you know, I'm kind of the person that likes to keep busy, and so I'm going to find other things to do and, you know, other little start another little project do this do that um, and that's kind of my like little release like listening to some heavy metal music like I enjoy that you will rarely find <clears throat> either John or myself just vegging out on a couch um, but I think that's important too in shifting gears into our second semester looking at what we need and communicating that to others so when you have people say things like why can't you just sit down or why can't you Hold still and just really understanding that some of us that's our favorite thing to do for others others of us we draw energy from other activity um, so that often happens even in my music choices you just mentioned heavy metal I'm not in January going to sit there and get pumped by Adele however much I may love her voice I'm gonna be looking for other um, more motivating um, beats we'll say yeah. something that's getting me pumped and driven to move forward on these cold mornings yeah. and well and i think that's i i personally love about music too is because it is so personal like you have there's these moments in your life where you associate different 
periods of time with different music yes. and different seasons. Like I know if it's summer, man, I'm gonna throw on some 311, yeah. right? And it's like that's that's my that's a summer jam. But my right now I might be listening to some Beck or some Dream Theater. Um, Pearl Jam, who knows? I mean, d- different albums, even just from bands, have different meaning at different times of year. And so you just got to find, you know, some good Trans-Siberian Orchestra right now, actually. You know, <laughs> I, I get a little bit of the, the progressive metal, but with some uh, winter feel to it. Exactly. So, you know. And I think um, along those same lines, my commute listening changes a little bit. I'm looking for audiobooks with stories of accomplishment and success and triumph. Um, last January, I checked back an Audible and I listened to The Alchemist, and that was incredibly inspirational, talking about how the universe provides for you once you have a purpose set and everything conspires to support you. It was just absolutely what I wanted to hear moving into that second phase of the year. Um, and listening and telling stories can be a huge motivator. Um, there's every educator, every teacher, every person who's involved with this has stories that they just pull upon when they're feeling down um but there's student there's stories that motivate you um you know and i'm i'm blessed to have lots of different experiences and i just keep going back to one uh time this last year i'm in washington dc with uh my group of students and we had just gotten done being in philadelphia where we literally stood in the room where it happened and we where the declaration of the constitution were just created and the very next day we're in the national archives and we're in the massive rotunda and if you haven't been it's such a beautiful place to host the founding documents and we're going through and i'm giving like a little lesson about this painting about how they um, wanted to incorporate in Abraham Lincoln in with the founding fathers but they didn't want to put him in physically because he wasn't there and so like I'm teaching the kids about this painting you have to find find Lincoln that's really fun but I then with all this fuss and muss and people moving in around um, you know one of the students comes up to me and go she just goes I don't know what I'm going to do here in this city but I'm going to come back here and do something and like it's it's moments like that where you feel like you've really made a difference in a child's life, and um, it just it motivates me every single day. And I'm reminded of a story of a student of mine who was going through a tough time with some changes to family structures when he was in middle school. It feels like forever ago. And <clears throat> his mom let me know uh, how important my support as a teacher had been for him and for his family. Uh, he's a very tall adult now and was no exception as an eighth grader and she thought that um, sometimes people expected him to be stronger emotionally because of his size at an early age and uh, during conferences she said I wish teachers wouldn't equate size with maturity he's just a teddy bear and I'll never forget that she was requesting for kindness advocacy there and just looking for that extra way to Um, meet a student with what's going on and not make assumptions and that flavors a lot of what I do when I'm working with students and to this end we wanted to share just a few stories from some of our colleagues when we asked them to share something they keep in mind in the mid-year. Hi I'm Chris Brown I teach at iTech teach Spanish Um, I had a student a few years ago that um, required a lot of patience from me and patience was kind of a through line of that school year for me. I just kept thinking how much patience can I have? Uh, at what point is this student going to start joining joining us with our activities, what we're doing? And uh, it eventually she, uh, she came around and I'm talking about March or April, very late in the school year, but 
she became one of my best students, became kind of a leader in the room, and it, it just, for me, was an example of how you never give up on a student and how it's not possible to have too much patience. I'm Paula Holmgren. I teach math and art at iTech Prep Middle School. Uh, I guess what the story that keeps me going is uh, I had a student several years back uh, that he just like really taught me the value of connections. Um, throughout the years, we just tease each other throughout, you know, to get through. And then like as his eighth grade year, he struggled in math and uh, the connection I had built with him, like knowing his parents, knowing his family, we kind of built it together and we were able to like, get him through. And so like I, he's now a junior and he goes to a different school entirely and like, he comes back to say hi to me and like those stories of seeing the kids from, you know, in their junior, senior year coming back and say hi is kind of what keeps me motivated to keep on going. I'm Greg Joy from iTech Prep doing middle school uh, PE and health. Um, this is my 30th year with Vancouver Schools uh, and so it's, it's been a, a great journey and you know when I wake up each day one of the things I try to think about is the, the privilege of speaking into kids lives and we never know the power of our words. This came to me recently, um, one of my past students had a social media post that she sent to me and it was a phrase that I often use which is start strong, finish strong. And uh, she was articulating that in, in her middle school years when I would say that it would drive her nuts. She didn't want to hear it, it just kind of got under her skin. And now she's a mama of a first grader and every morning she finds herself uh, saying to her first grader, start strong, finish strong. And so that was inspiring to me, but also just the, the notion of the power of our words. I do have one other story, and that is um, we had the privilege of, I had some cousins uh, in my class one year, and they, be, they actually became close friends of our family and our kids. We ended up hiring them as babysitters for our kids. And uh, so they, they would take care of our kids while we were out and about. When they, when they graduated, one of those cousins uh, ended up serving in Haiti with her husband um, for relief work and they needed some support and help for that. So our kids were able to give back to them um, through whatever money they could pull together to support them in their venture as they were rebuilding houses and, and schooling children uh, for her, after the hurricane, uh, excuse me, the earthquake. And um, so to see if the full circle of where that student served us and now we get to serve them as they're serving others. So uh, just a rich community and the stories go on. My name is Brad Lehman. I'm a iTech, a language arts teacher at iTech. Uh, I've been teaching for five years now. And one thing that really keeps me going, especially with the uh, after winter break, is just the excitement around projects in general. Um, usually after winter break, you, ha you come back and students, there's this kind of this lull with students. You know, you have six months to go to f for summer. Um, but I feel like with projects and at our school, students come back and they're, they're really excited to kind of jump into the next project. and. Um, it just kind of keeps me going as a teacher. I am John Kempke. Uh, it's my first year of teaching actually, so I was previously an engineer, mechan mechanical engineer in the medical device field. So I volunteered at, at middle schools and I really liked interacting with the kids and inspiring them. I will say iTech is a, an amazing place. They do a lot of project-based learning. So the kids can take um, control of their own learning. They, they can pick a project that they identify with. So I teach 3D design and modeling in my class. And one of the first projects we did was they designed an innovation that they would like to build and we modeled it with computers and um, the ideas were amazing. The, the, the kids had these amazing ideas that they, they could actually market and sell today. Uh, everything from, somebody had like a pop socket for a cell phone that had speakers in it. We had expanding game controllers. We had self-driving luggage that would follow you around. Kids took so much initiative. Some of them even built prototypes of these things and brought them to class and they gave a presentation on it. But 
um, just seeing the creativity and the inspiration, I mean, that, that's what keeps me going every day, like just being a part of these kids' lives and inspiring them to do these amazing kind of projects. So, um, yeah, it's been a really great experience. So. Thank you to our iTech friends and family for taking the time to record with us. Uh, these shoutouts remind me of other benefits of telling stories and why I work so hard in the classroom to make storytelling a strong component of students' uh, history learning. One of the projects that I'm most proud of is, is coming up this next year. I mentioned it briefly in, in the beginning, but it's StoryCorps um, in Mount St. Helens. And I, I've been doing projects up on the mountain for quite a while now. And uh, it's evolved over the years. But one of the things I, I find most fascinating is we can have this human history. And there's so many different perspectives to a specific event. Like, we all know kind of what happened that day. But every person has different experiences of what happened. And so I'm excited to get into this whole idea of StoryCorps and Mount St. Helens and not lose those human history stories. Um, and so we're going to be working on collecting that. But, you know, every event has different perspectives. And um, it's important to hear those different perspectives to truly understand the events that that occur. And we also look to storytelling to remind us who we are and more importantly as educators we remind ourselves of the fantastic potential of our clientele. Um, I have a small collection of student art that I display in my classroom and each piece <clears throat> reminds me of the artist. One of them is this painted rainbow in a square black frame and this came from a student that I mentored one year who was very reluctant to keep up with work in his classes. Um, and one piece of that was this art assignment where they had to show gradients of color. And I can't tell you how many times I sent makeup work and art supplies home only for him to return with an empty backpack. Uh, that said, I never gave up. I continued to remind him that habits change the minute you want them to. And despite missing the art teacher's extended due date, he finished that assignment and he donated it to my mini gallery even though it wasn't going to affect his grade or change anything about um, what happened in that class. So this piece to me is absolutely a reminder of finding that internal motivation that's gonna stick to me throughout the years. Yeah, and I'm just gonna reflect real quick too. Um, we're packing up and, and moving this week into a, a brand new building over winter break. And as I was packing this weekend, I was coming across student work that I kept or things that, that kids have given to me over the years. And they, they really do elicit these um, special memories. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you see something and it's like, oh, that, that's that student there. And there's certain things that I have up in the room that I absolutely will make sure is up in my, my new room as well. And it's because it's meaningful. And when kids come back and see it too, I think it, it shows that we care because we on it and when we honestly do. And um, it creates this bigger, more stronger bond between students and, and teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's where like storytelling it doesn't have to be just telling a story phys or verbally. It can be telling a story visually or physically. Um, and it's very culturally important. You know, we have coffee books, um, like <laughs> Kramer's coffee table book about coffee tables, right? It tells a story about different things. Time capsules. Time capsules. Um, like I said, StoryCorps is one of the, the greatest things out there where it's collecting these, these just American stories and cataloging them in the Library of Congress for anyone to access. And you learn so much when you share and reflect on personal stories and even more when you listen to the stories of others and hear what they went through or how they perceived a, a certain situation and um, it can open our minds. 
And we would love to hear which stories motivate you as an educator. Which ones do you dust off at the beginning, middle, and end of a year to move you in <clears throat> to the next phase? Which bring it brings us to the end of episode four. So thank you so much for listening. We couldn't host a podcast without our listeners, and we're grateful for you. If what we talked about sparked your interest, you have feedback, topic suggestions, or you'd like to share those stories, and we'd love to share them on air, please send them to us uh, either at Teachers in Hall on social media or email us at teachersinthehall at gmail.com. Thank you to our dear colleagues uh, for taking time to record with us down at the Vancouver Food Bank. Uh, during our recent field trip, and to Nick and Ian at the Vancouver Public Schools Media Department for supporting our recordings and assisting us uh, in editing. We could not do this without you. Our music is by Son of Starkiller, also known as John's talented brother, Matthews and Galley. Until next time, you'll find us in the hall. <laughs>